0: Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by our show partners Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. This is the Giro second rest day but the first real rest day. The first one was like a transit or well, not a transition, a travel day when they needed to go from Hungary down to Sicily. This is after stage nine where the first rest day normally is. We have six stages ahead and today we're going to Recap who won each stage, whether we, our opinions on GC have changed, preview stage 10 in-depth with our picks, should Simon Yates continues, Wilco Kelderman blames his disc brakes for losing 10 minutes yesterday, and Alperson confirm their World Tour application for next year. So a few topics to talk about, uh, but to recap, the Giro started with that uphill sprint in Budapest, or just outside Van der Poel 1, then the TT, Simon Yates won, looking good, no big gaps. Cavendish won the first sprint, went down to Sicily. Camner on Etna, no big GC gaps. Demar, Demar, back-to-back sprints, the resurgence. Maybe he had some macchiatos after last year, everyone's done too much caffeine. Cohen Bowman with Dumoulin, stage seven break. Stage eight, Thomas de Gendt break. And then Jai Hidley winning on Blockhouse in a group of six or so GC contenders yesterday with Yates losing a lot of time. So the current standings after stage nine is our leader Juan Pedro Lopez, 12 seconds ahead of Almeida, Bardet, 14 seconds back in third, Carapaz on 15, Hindley on 20, Martin 28, Landa 29, Pozzo 54, Buchman 109, and Bilbao 122. What do you think about the first week, Benji? You feel we both picked Carapaz, I think? No. I still feel comfortable. You, For the listeners, Benji wanted to pick Carapaz, but I'm pretty sure. That's not true. But how are you feeling? (laughs) I reckon.
1: How dare you put words in my mouth?
0: (laughs) I feel more nervous about my Carapaz pick now, actually.
1: I feel less nervous about my Almeida pick now. Uh, well, technically, I did pick him for every single jersey that's out there, and I'm pretty sure that's out of the window already. But when it comes to GCM, I'm becoming rather bullish, and definitely after the words he had before the blockhouse stage, saying, I don't feel so good. I'm not feeling so well today. And then he ended up actually having a pretty good stage, not the best stage, not winning blockhouse, but he's up there with the as that finish in that first group. And yeah, I feel good about that. I'm... I'm hopeful for the final week. I said it, I think, yesterday on the podcast that I'm not sure whether that third week is going to be the same third week as he had in 2021. But I'm staying rather positive in that effect. I think that the climbs in the third week do somewhat fit him as well. So uh, I look forward to seeing João win the third week. But when it comes to Carapaz, I don't know. I feel like I was bullish on Carapaz. I'm still bullish on Carapaz, but a slight bit less. Does that make sense?
0: It does, because that's how I feel as well. I'm feeling a little bit nervous, the fact they didn't try on on Stage 7 and they burnt port yesterday. That being said, two years in a row that the Giro has gone into the first rest day with very tight gaps. Bernal was 15 ahead of Avonapol. How things changed after that in the Giro last year. Vlasov, 21. chicone 36. Chikone, out of GC. Carthy out of GC. He was 44 back. So... They've definitely designed backloaded parkour twice in a row. And even though Blockhouse was very hard, not monstrous gaps, Bookman drops, but still, I think he only lost like 16, 20 seconds, nothing major. And the week ahead is even softer. Nothing as dangerous as Blockhouse. We'll do stage 10 in detail, but tomorrow is like a rolly break day, maybe a sprint. 11 pure sprint, 12 has a 10K 7% climb, like 21Ks from the finish, not a GC day, uh, 13 sprint, 14 is up and down medium mountain, maybe if any else want to try something, they might. And then the mountain stage, the only proper one, is 12K 7%, 13K 7%, back to back. Sounds pretty hard, but then the finish is 22k's 4% with a very shallow finish. So nothing as hard as Blockhouse. So I don't, I don't expect big gaps this week, Benji. I think this is all going to be decided in week three.
1: I think so as well. The last week is that backloaded Grand tour week that we were talking about. And I think that, Perhaps because of that, we will indeed see these gaps not necessarily expand too much. Perhaps one rider or two riders will have something happen to them in the coming week and therefore actually lose some time. But I'd like to just put some attention on, like, oh man, Bardet. we don't speak about him too often this week, but I've got a feeling that he's probably running a lot better than a few people have expected. He was great at Tour of the Yelp, so we saw so him doing somewhat good here. But at the moment, he's one of the top three climbers in this race arguably the second best if not the best climber in this first nine days would you rate it like that or would you say that carapaz orlando were the better climbers these first nine days
0: um it's hard to say i definitely think he's his performance on blockhouse is the best i've seen on a mountaintop finish from him in a long time uh really really encouraging and i thought he would get dropped actually on uh, blockhouse and to be attacking to be in that group to be almost looking the strongest is crazy and Aaron's been pretty good too to be honest he's on a minute minute 20 not out of the picture either close enough that with the soft second week other guys will have to respond to him but before we get into maybe the losers of the first week Talk about our show partner Zwift, the online cycling platform that me and Benji have been using to great effect. Zwift has real world and fantasy locations to ride in, hundreds of workouts on demand, training plans, a packed calendar of group rides and races, pace partners to drop in with, and ride at a set pace, and even the ability to create your own meetup. If you want to check out Zwift, if you haven't already, you can head to zwift.com for a free seven-day trial. But speaking of people who will be disappointed in the Giro, I actually ran into Miguel Hernandez Lopez uh, today, but Simon Yates will apparently, and this is according to Chiro Scognamiglio I'm going to pronounce his name correctly this time, on Twitter, Yates will continue the Giro and go for stages. I think that's a bad idea, Benji.
1: Ooh, I think it depends. I think that... Simon Yates, in decent form, can definitely win two mountain stages in this race, bringing up roughly 200 UCI points, I think, if he does that. But if that knee pain is indeed a big factor in why he lost time, he said it wasn't solely the knee pain, that the heat was also one of the reasons. If the knee pain is serious enough, then I wouldn't have him continue this race. But if it's not really the knee pain, if it's just the heat, and if he does have that climbing skill, he can take home two stages. And I think two stages is the same amount of points as getting 9 for 10th in GC. Do you think that the reason that you're saying it's a bad day is because they need those UCI points from the Tour?
0: It's twofold. Yes, it's mainly points-related, but it's also, if his knee is a real issue and it caused him to lose, what, like 11 minutes yesterday? He didn't make him lose 11 minutes.
1: Well, it did in Asturias as well, to be honest. <laughs> wow,
0: well, fuck. Oh, yeah, good point. Um. <laughs> I Well... Yeah, I would. He's their golden <laughs> ticket. Matthews, Yates for their salvation. I mean, E F. Sam, EF Buley. Hunting, Sam Buley, friend of the podcast, yes, as well. Um, House and missed Hungary this GC this year, unfortunately. But yeah, Yates, you don't want to make that knee worse because Welter, he can top top five, a lot of points, and probably get a stage at the same time. He took a stage at the Giro already. Uh, I don't know whether he wants to do Giro-Tour combo, but the Vuelta I think really suits him. So you just, I'm sure they know, but it's a risk keeping him in there, particularly when he has to like the stages that he can win, which of course he can from the break, but he's got to wait. I guess he got a week, a week to recover because there's no mountain stages for ages. But yeah, I don't know their decision, but definitely a big blow for Bex maintaining world tour status because. We had the announcement today in the press conference. What an odd time to announce it. Not when MVDP won Flanders or before. Jiro First Rest Day, Alplus and Phoenix have announced that they have applied for World Tour status next year. If you don't know, you probably do because you listen to the pod and I keep banging on about it. The uh there's a set number of world tour licenses, 18. There's currently 18 world tour teams. Arkea, I think I understand, have applied. Now, Alperson have have definitely applied or said they have. That's 20 teams. Two teams will have to miss out and Alperson have the most points, so they will be going to World Tour as long as they have the financial requirements met, et cetera, which which I assume they do. Why do you think they've applied, Benji? They've had the best position in cycling for ages where they get auto invites. They don't have to go to races they don't want to and they can – just target big high prestige events with MVDP.
1: thing is there there's never the security that that system will remain the same in pro team level where the first two will get automatic invites for the rest of like eternity there's going to come a point when uci might actually come in and say okay perhaps we were, we are giving too many benefits to those uh top two pro teams and therefore change the system so i think the secure way is to actually be a Walter team but next to that i think the status of being a Walter team might help them improve it sponsorship related stuff and so forth because if you go to a to a new company that is not 100 percent uh yeah, knowledge with how cycling works. And you say, oh, I've got a cycling team. We're doing well, but we're a second division team. <laughs> it sounds a bit more lame than saying, oh, we're, we're a welter team, top level, just like all those other big teams. We are like that. So I don't know. I think there's something in that status as well. But uh, I do want to note that why does Alpsen always like pretend like something's not happening for months? Everybody knows that they applied for, for a welter team for months already. And now they're announcing it like a few months later, and yeah, I-, I think the hype for it is completely gone for me.
0: Well, yeah, they seem to—they're like, "Oh, is mvp doing this?" Like I don't know. They try to cloak things in mystery. It's like just no one cares. Just just say it. Apparently, they're also PCS is also already calling them alperson De kernic So Phoenix are not be, remaining as the title sponsor. I don't know when that kicks in exactly. Might be midway through this year. But Phoenix – well, no, De Kernick were obviously the sponsor of De quickstep Quick-Step. Now it's Quick-Step Alpha Vinyl. And then in terms of sponsor, Carousel Sudal are going from Lotto to Quick-Step, and it's all going to be very, very confusing, particularly the sports commentators. Um, but, yeah, before we, before I talk about, I guess, the Alphacen team construction, what needs to change, if you want to catch up on the Giro d'Italia, GCN Plus is the best place to do so who support the LRCP Giro coverage, you can catch up on every kilometer and then watch every kilometer live of the Giro ad-free on GCM Plus worldwide, excluding New Zealand. Catch up when it suits you on any screen, anytime, anywhere. Full-stage replays as well as on-demand highlights. All LRCP listeners from the US, UK, Australia, Canada, and Germany can get 25% off an annual GCN Plus subscription by heading to gcn.eu slash lrcp through the link in the description down below. Thanks to GCN Plus for supporting our JIRA coverage. What needs to change about Alperson though, Benji? I look at this team, apart from Jay Vine and Tobias Bias, sometimes they are very, very one-dimensional. This does not look like a proper world tour team to me.
1: Yes, certainly. But there's other World Tour teams that also don't look like a proper World Tour team to me. But I got to be honest, this is a a team that has a few stars and about 60 to 70 percent of the team is not really the riders that you'd be expecting in a World Tour team, in my personal opinion. And I think that's going to improve over the years. I think you can't expect the team to change from pro team status to World Tour status and immediately have all the riders necessary for that level. I think they've also got the benefit of having their dev team that also grows proper talents from young and therefore can bring up talent that can fold into this, uh, into this world tour team then eventually, but you're right. It's very one dimensional climbers. There's very limited uh, aspects to it there. You're right. Jay vine, Tobias Bayer, And you can also perhaps count the likes of who once got, I think four fun on plunge, de three or something in the tour as, as a climber these days in that team, because that's kind of it. Like, there's not too much more in there, so that's an area where they will have to improve if they want to compete in more races, and if they want to actually do for a go for GC in plenty of these World Tour races they will have to ride next year. And they are already riding tons of like World Tour races, but they're gonna have to ride to the Romanian and so forth stuff like that. Ah, I don't know. They need more climbers, and there's there's definitely riders on the market for that. But to be honest, it's such a limited transfer market this year when it comes to gc riders and mountain domestics that i don't think it will be super easy to make that transition in one year only so i expect that to take a while
0: yeah and it makes sense that they've applied that as benji said the uci could turn around one day and say use it or lose it with the wild card you know the point of this system is to get yourself up to world tour if you're good enough not to just sit in that uh auto wild card zone and as Benji said, you cannot, if you're a pro team, signing a, you can't sign a three-year sponsorship deal and guarantee Tour de France participation. You can say, hey, we're really likely to, but you can't guarantee it. And so that makes a difference when you're a World Tour team. You can sign on the dotted line with your title sponsor and say, we will be from 23 to 25 at the Tour de France at the Vuelta, at the Giro, at every monument, every year, even if Under Paul gets injured because that's the risk. MDP gets injured, Malia leaves, Philipson has a down year or leaves or gets injured. All of a sudden, Total Energy come up, UNOX come up, and it's not looking like you get the auto wildcards for everything or Lotto or Israel. So it makes sense to go World Tour, but as I said, finds their best climber and GC prospect, but they'll need to fill that out a little bit more. Ben Tullet, they let go, and I don't know what they're doing with Philipson. Melier is rumored to leave. Uh, but yeah, interesting for Alberson. Moving on up. Arkea will be probably moving on up as well. Other news was coming out after recording yesterday. Kelderman apparently, who lost like 10 minutes yesterday, and he was looking in good shape at this year at Italia. He came seventh in the TT Uh, was very good on the first uphill finish like he was in the Tour last year where he came fifth, he lost on Blockhouse 11 minutes. He had multiple mechanicals and he said that on the Lanciano descent, which was very fast, apparently he thinks the heat from the disc brakes like warped his spokes and broke his wheel. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, it, it definitely could be don't well, no like a hey, whether i believe it, him
1: but it's well i i,
0: I also do but he might have hit a bump or something and, and warped the spokes but i think oh i'm trying to tiptoe around a disparate rim break debate benji but it's clear benji
1: not all the pros are happy with them that is clear what have you heard others complaining as well uh i think there's riders that definitely have a preference i think that it's also depending on the parkour we know that pogacar for example always takes rim brakes on the climbs but that's not necessarily because of the the brakes on paper at least that's what he says it's because of the weight of those disc brakes which is actually an effect of those disc brakes so you know there there's multiple aspects to it does it pay off and balance out the weight difference on certain? bike manufacturers and so forth i don't know but uh hey i've got rim brakes and i have never actually had disc brakes on my bike so i can't tell you personally but in all honesty hey it's possible what kawilka was saying that that is the reason for it i don't know
0: i mean Froome said something similar i've managed to crash without a problem on both rim and disc brake bikes so that's you yeah they seem fine for me uh crash equally (laughs) well on both of them but it's funny, Froome obviously got the YouTube channel, signed Israel for a big contract, partially for exposure. And Factor are like rubbing their hands. They got Froome on board. And he spends half the time on the YouTube channel talking about how much he hates disc brakes and disc bikes, but or well, disc brake bikes. But yeah, I think even looking at wheel changes, they're much slower. People just go for the full bike change straight away now, they don't even mess around the big GC guys.
1: Were we not tiptoeing around the discussion of rim brakes versus disc brakes? Because I swear we just jumped into it. I've
0: added myself. (laughs) I've added myself. Straight up. I think it's obscene. I think it is obscene and a disgrace that there are GC contenders doing mountaintop finishes with bikes heavier than the UCI weight limit. That's, I think, it just makes no sense to me. And obviously, you can do the maths and be like, well, the aero, you know, this bike's more aero, so... In if, you know, you'll save what's going up to the mountaintop finish, but blockhouse, man, come on. Like, or climbs like that, it, it really does matter. It, and No, but that's the thing. It, people don't realize, Benji, these guys are not riding 68, 6.8 kilo bikes around. Like, a lot of them are riding heavier bikes than that. And these guys are like 58, 60 kilos. An extra 400 grams, 500 grams, it matters. Um, I'm cutting myself off. We're getting getting derailed. The comments are going to be too much. Otherwise, stage 10 tomorrow. It's, I don't know what this is, Benji. It's 195Ks, pancake flat for the first 100, and then rolling terrain for the last 95. This looks like MVDP Binium, is it too hard for Demar? I think it is. 1,700 metres, 6%, 10Ks from the finish with Hills preceding. that surely Intermarche and Alperson can drop Demar and co.
1: Well, I hope they are, are in the breakaway because they're going to have to, according to my predictions of months ago. Colby was going to win the stage from the breakaway. I'm actually not that bullish on Colby based on his form I've seen so far in this race. But I might switch that to Mauro Schmidt as a rider that's shown to be very good on stage. Was it eight? Yes, Napoli, eight. Yeah. He, was so good. Off. he was very good there. He was arguably equal to Vanderpool in some shape or form and Girmaet, roughly and i'd argue that he can be uh, the factor to win the stage and he won that montalcino stage and he's gonna try and uh copy paste that the year after and was it also on stage 10 it was not okay that's a bummer it would have been funny if he went stage 10 every single year but that's not the case here it's gonna be a stage uh 10 this year stage 11 last year but uh that's my pick for that i think this might just be one of those stages like the uh at the old stage, last year, where the break goes away, yeah, Peloton says, so. oh, let's give them 14 minutes, Recibe. and then, oh, God, God, no.
0: Don't you think it's <laughs> like that stage as well, the Campanaut's risabic one? That was a boring stage. Well, I mean, I've got some bad news for you, Benji. <laughs> I don't think this is... I mean, uh, hopefully, the Napoli one was all right, but... <laughs> Yeah, unless my, the only thing that might spice this up is if Israel, are like Nitzolo's climbing really well, Gavir is climbing really well, but I think it's just too hilly. It's way too hilly. Yep. So nah. It should be a break. Would you? That's here's the thing though. Napoli stage. If you're MVP and Binion Benji, what learnings do you apply to this stage from I guess the errors of that one?
1: Well, I think before that stage started, we said perhaps the best option is to control it from the peloton because you can't control a large breakaway with solely Vanderpool and Binyam in the breakaway, or they find a way to get multiple riders in the breakaway, which probably would be the most effective way to set this up. But it's harder to get that going on a flat start to a stage. I think it's easier to get a large breakaway with multiple riders of your team going on a stage that has hills at the start, which with this one doesn't.
0: I know that's the problem because... Vanderpool, if he can bring Riesebich with him, would be really, really good. Uh, for Binium, I don't know where Lorenzo Rota has been this Giro, but you know, if if Binium can bring a friend, that then lets them take <laughs> Tesfatsion. Yeah, well, is Tesfatsion can he win this? See, can he win this stage? He was looking incredible on blockhouse. Yeah. He's kind of fast, perhaps. Yeah, I don't mind Tesfatsion for this. He's fourth at GP Industria, which is a hilly circuit stage. Behind Ulisi, I think Ulisi should try and get in the break as well.
1: Maybe Formula, o, see the UAE guys once again. I think Desfazion loses it because he's probably going to do the same thing that he did the last few times that I saw him in the breakaway, which was play it smart, try and sit at the back of the group and eventually miss the uh, split that actually goes for the victory.
0: Possible. But I think MVDP will be the favorite, Binium's second favorite. Let's see if they can get it right after stage eight. I'm not sure whether it'd be break or Peloton. Probably MVP from the break is my guess. He doesn't usually miss out uh, when given two opportunities. But that was our Giro rest day recap. We got tight GC gaps in the first week. I don't expect huge action in the second week. Perhaps if Ineos or someone... One of these teams with two GC guys, DSM, Bora, and Bahrain, within one minute, they might try and play a guy up the road on Konya like Cormael stage with Carapaz and Landa. We can only live and hope. We'll assess that before that stage kicks off. But that's all from us. I'm going to go get some sun and have a rest myself. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow with Stage 10 Recap. Ciao.